Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B. Welcome to Supper Podcast number two. I am Hilary Rand, strategist, writer, speaker and consulting editor of Supper Magazine. Today, our guest is Anna Sebastian, bar manager at the Artesian at the Langham Hotel in London. Located at West End, the Langham London is a luxury hotel with a history of delighting guests and providing legendary service since 1865. Artesian is a glamorous bar within the Langham designed by the acclaimed late David Collins and is a social hub for chic Londoners. I am very excited to have Anna join me today to talk about serving beyond the bar. Welcome, Anna. Lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, really nice to be on here. So I do really appreciate it and looking forward to chatting with you in the next hour or so. Great, great. So let's uh, let's get going. Um, we we've chatted before, and it's it's great to to always hear um, the different initiatives that you've been involved in. And and one of the things I remember that you pointed out last time is that um, that in your own words that you sort of fell into hospitality, and your start being a, a far cry from what you are doing now. So tell me, sort of three four things that you did not expect from the hospitality business. Looking back now. Gosh, I mean, that, that, that's a really good question. I think, you know, when I think being from the UK, you know, hospitality is not really considered, I say in inverted commas, a proper career. And it's just something you do to get money to go traveling or until you find, you know, a proper job. And it was never really kind of taught to us. Actually, you could go and you could have this amazing career and travel the world and meet amazing people. Um, and that's one of the things, you know, in retrospect, you know, that's suddenly I sort of realized, you know, a year or so into my career, I was just like, wow, you know, you can do so much with this job and the skills are so sort of transferable. And, you know, I think we're in a very different climate to how we were 10 years ago. And, you know, if I could do one ch- thing is change the sort of this awful British mentality that, you know, hospitality is, is, is not a good industry to be in and actually really go back to, you know, if I could go and tell my 16 year old self, actually hospitality is something you would thrive in and love, I would. And I think it's, um, especially in the last year, we've seen the reaction of so many people to hospitality um, and just seen how the industry has suffered so much. And I would love to be able to, I would love to be able to change the sort of perception of that at the very sort of grassroots level when people go to school and, you know, they're thinking, well, what, what should I do with my life? And you know, you don't have to go to a university to have an amazing and successful career. You know, you can actually do something which is so, you know, that sort of where you get that instant gratification where, you know, you're multitasking, you're dealing with people and it's all elements of sort of like psychology and, you know, so much stuff that kind of gets intertwined into, into this industry. Wonderful. Um, and looking back again at your at your career so far, yeah. you spent seven years at the Savoy, both at the American Bar and the Beaufort Bar. Um, very different venues, uh, very different sort of ethos. And looking back at this, uh, how do you think those different experiences changed and shaped you as as a bartender, and how did they help you grow? Yeah, I think I think. Um the experience at the Savoy was amazing. You know, as part of the reopening of, you know, arguably what is one of the greatest hotels in the world. And at the time, I don't think I really understood the impact or the significance of a hotel like the Savoy in the history of hospitality. Um, 
as sort of looking back, I realized how much that sort of shaped me. I also think the training that we had there, I don't want to say it was militant because that often kind of has this negative, um, it, it comes across as quite sort of negative, but the tra- you get trained so well and so hard that, you know, everything that you do becomes this sort of like intrinsic behavior. For example, you like, when you go and tie your shoelaces, you don't think, how do I tie my shoelaces? You just do it. And it just gets sort of like embedded into you. So, you know, even without turning around what is happening at a table, you know, you're reading guest behavior and you're, you have to be five steps ahead of what they're doing. So, you know, already what drink they're going to order, whether that's because you've, you know, done that suggestive selling or, you know, you've kind of predicted, you've read their character, you know, I know what they're going to have next. And it is almost like being, you know, conductor in an orchestra, you know, you are conducting this service, this experience and, yeah, it's 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 just amazing when you sort of break things down. It's so much more than just putting a drink on a table or, you know, making a cocktail. You know, you're creating these experiences and these moments that ultimately turn into memories that people talk about, you know, later down their life. Um, you know, hospitality is hard work. It's not, it's, you know, it's like yachting in a way. It's not, it's, it's not easy and you are working long hours and you are, you know, really, really dedicating yourself to, to this industry. It's much more than just a job. It's a passion. It's a lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I look back and I've, you know, there's been highs and there's been lows and there's been lots of laughs and, you know, probably an equal amount of tears at the same time, but that is all part of it. And you're kind of, you're forming this bond between your colleagues, um, that you just don't get. I think the only other place you would experience this is in the military where you really can't do your job without the help of, you know, your teammates. Um, and I think that's really important, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's it's such an amazing experience and as cliched as it sounds, you just don't know who's going to walk through the doors on a daily basis. It could be anybody. And and on that note, walking through the doors and reading characters, I have a question about your little black book. Oh, uh, yes. what, what What is it? And do you think you will ever turn it into an actual book? Well, actually, funny you should ask this. Um, when I, you know, I, one of my big sort of passions is writing and Ever since I was a kid, I was just like entering kind of like poetry competitions and writing competitions and stuff like this. And it was just something the creative side of it I really, really enjoyed. Um, there's a book by a woman called Jean Nickel called Meet Me at the Savoy. And it was almost quite an autobiography sort of style of book, but it was about her experience. She was the in charge of the PR of the Savoy and the Maybourne group. And it talks about her experience. Um, and I read it before I joined, I bought it um, on eBay and I was just like, you know, this is really cool. It's like a first edition book. And I, and I just said in 2010, I was like, I want to, I want to write I want to write about my experiences. And, you know, I didn't even know if I would make my, make three months there, but you know, 11 years later of working in hotels, you know, I kind of documented my journey throughout throughout the years. And it just started just, you know, writing a diet sort of diary, but with the intention of turning it into a book. So, um, and then started sort of form- formalizing it a little bit more. So the aim is, um, when I leave hotels properly is to turn this into a book of, you know, my experience throughout that, um, you mentioned the little black book and that is something that it started off something to help me remember the guests. And I would write down their name, like where they sat, what they drank, you know, whether it was their kids' graduation or their kids' names or wife's name or husband's name or partner, whatever it was. 
because I was just, I've never had to like remember guest names. There's so much pressure in hotels to sort of always use the guest name. I was like, well, how am I going to do this? And, you know, one little black book turned into, you know, several black books. And I have all of them today. And I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I remember that night. And I still have people sort of coming to me and saying, you put me in your little black book 10 years ago. And I'm just like, oh my God, I did. I'll look back and I'll be like, oh my God, how are your kids? You know, she was doing like a degree at London College of Fashion. What's she doing now? And it's, uh, yeah, like for me, it was uh, looking back, it just brings like this, you know, like goosebumps and stuff like that as well. That's that's wonderful. It's, it's really just the essence of storytelling, right? Because you are involved in one point or another in someone's life journey, and yeah. and you are there to to surprise and delight, like like we like to say in in hospitality. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to uh, the launch of this book because I'm sure there's some really great uh, great. Uh, uh, stories in there, so uh, e- eagerly waiting, Anna, on that one. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'll have to edit out um, a few of the stories, but, or, or, yeah, or or make them make them seem like uh, no one can guess the characters, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to get sued. <laughs> Well, um, now looking back about a year or so ago in April 2020, when sort of everything changed and and the world was was thrown into the abyss, um, you teamed up with um, Under One Sky um, addressing homelessness in the the industry and and, in London at large. So I I believe at one point uh, you were feeding um, around 500 people a night. Um, how did that sort of change your perception um, of hospitality? Because obviously you were seeing uh, people at their worst. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, for me, the last year has just, it's put, and I feel awful sort of saying this, but it's probably been one of the best years of my, of my life. And I don't mean that in like, it's been fun and games all the way, but it's changed, I think, who I am. And I hope it's changed who I am, you know, for the better. I think as humans, naturally, you know, we're all inherently that little bit selfish. And I don't mean sort of like, you know, necessarily, I think it's almost like an unconscious sort of thing. And I think, you know, in our hospitality world, especially, you know, when you get to that tiny 1% of, you know, your top 50 bars and you know, where we are incredibly spoiled, you know, you go on amazing trips and you get sent amazing products and you become very used to it and very comfortable with the fact that you can just pop to another hotel bar and have a martini on a Monday night. And, you know, we go through this process of, um, you know, going in orientations and we all talk about one team, one dream, and we sit down and we have family meals and shared platters. And we talk about, you know, how, you know, how like we work with our family and your brotherhood and sisterhood. And it's just, all of that is great in the good times, but when the bad times hit, then what happens? And I sort of found, you know, we were going out on the streets and the streets were desolate. It was like a movie scene. And it was just us and the homeless people. And, you know, the government was saying that the housing people and, you know, they were to an extent, but more and more and more people were coming out onto the streets. And in the first three months, the amount of hospitality people that we'd met that had either lost their jobs or gone on to furlough, but because service charge wasn't included, you know, their furlough money was maybe only £400. And a lot of them were, you know, chefs, pot washers, KPs, um, restaurant workers. And they all came from places that we all know and love. And it was just their stories were just insane. And it just really made me think, you know, we are, you know, the most hospitable industry, self self-acclaimed, you know, and it's, but then what happens? Why have we left these people our own workers, our own inverted commas family behind. 
you know, during this time. And it just seems so sort of hypocritical. And, you know, we, we were seeing things that I don't think that we're, I hope that we're never going to see again in, in our lifetime and the effects of COVID, you know, we could read things in newspapers, but you don't really get to experience it until you're sort of like out on the front line, so to speak. And you're seeing people that have got released from prison because there was no, because it wasn't safe for them to be in there because of COVID. You're seeing hospitality workers, you know, there were only two public bathrooms in London that were open in the first three months. So, you know, where do you think people were having to go to the bathroom? You know, all the showers, the shelters, everything shut down, hostels couldn't keep people in there. And the effects were so dire. And it's, you know, you suddenly realize that, you know, hospitality goes beyond the bar or the restaurant that you work in. Um, and people, you know, I posted something recently on my LinkedIn and um, Instagram and people always used to say, and they still do, you know, how does it feel to go from serving people in a five-star hotel to serving people on the street? And it's, it's really not that much different. You know, everybody, you know, everyone's human, you know, people have good days, people have bad days, you know, you know, some days your guests want to talk to you. Some, some days they don't, you know, they all have their drink preference, how they take their tea or coffee or, you know, how they take their martini. And it's, you know, it's suddenly, it really isn't that much difference. Um, so I learned so much, just the interactions of things like with, you know, the homeless sort of community, it's that I just never knew before. So yeah, it was incredibly interesting and eye-opening and, you know, heartbreaking at times. And we actually, um, sort of have come to the end of this year sort of program. It's moving in a little bit of a different direction, but we've actually made a documentary about the effects of homelessness, um, during COVID and we've had film crews sort of coming out with us and, um, like filming, you know, the, the volunteers through like our sort of personal journeys, as well as our sort of homeless friends. So, um, that's being sort of funded at the moment. And, um, it's, it's incredibly, it's really, really interesting. And, and when will the documentary be released? Well, hopefully it really depends. I hope, I hope this year, um, the first sort of stage, actually we've, um, we operated out of a hub in Covent Garden and it was a North Indian restaurant called Punjab. This is known as like the, the, the blue Indian restaurant. It's on Neil street and out of there, you know, the owner of it, Amrit cooked meals, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of meals for us and other charities. We would go there, we'd pack up all our trolleys and our bags, you know, it's where we kept all the clothes. And so the first installation actually on his, in his restaurant, it's going to be turned into a bit of an art gallery and there's going to be portraits from the last year of the volunteers um, and also some of the homeless people. And what you can do when you go in and eat and the food is absolutely amazing, you can scan each portrait and it will come up with a story behind it, which is really, really amazing. And um, the photographers have been absolutely amazing. And bearing in mind, every single person who's involved with Under One Sky is a volunteer. Nobody gets paid for anything. Every single bit of money that's raised goes towards, you know, supplies and funding and, you know, whether it's a train ticket for someone to go back to their family or, you know, we've got plane tickets for people to go back home. And, you know, it's this huge network of people. And it just really sort of solidified the fact that, you know, about, about hospitality, this is real hospitality, you know, going to an awards ceremony and having a nice meal and listening to someone speak about, you know, an important topic is great, but real hospitality, I think really starts at, you know, on the streets for me. Uh, talking about the the efforts, will you be working with Under the Sky also going forward? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. It's, um, I think things have obviously shifted now that a lot of things are opened, opened up again. It's, you know, the streets are much busier. There's not as much need for as much food. So we are looking, we've got a few really exciting projects coming up. Um, and a lot of like the key group of volunteers, we're going to be undergoing some, a lot of training as well on, um, you know, how to deal with things in a proper sort of way. Um, yeah, so there's loads of really exciting, exciting things coming up. So yeah, well, I'll have to keep you posted on it. Well, wonderful. Absolutely. Please do. And because I think we, we need to create a lot more awareness in the industry about this, because this this should not have uh, been a year that didn't teach us anything. Right. So I think it's it's really crucial to take these learnings. And you mentioned that word training. And that's going to be my next uh, question, because yeah. I understand that mentorship has been a sort of a theme that's very close, close to your heart. And in 2019, you started Celebrate Her that has now sort of come back uh, stronger. Uh, so tell me, first of all, how it got started? Of course, yes. So Celebrate Her was actually came out of a series of guest bartending shifts that we were hosting at the Artesian. And really, it was our team that said, well, why don't we do one to celebrate women in hospitality? Because as we all know, you know, it is better now, but, um, you know, it is a very male dominated industry traditionally. And if you look around, you know, your, say, bars in London, and you think, well, how many people are female bar managers or you know, female head bartenders and the proportion is so, the proportion is so low. So we kind of called upon a great group of girls from all over the world and sort of got, got everybody in. And it was very, it was put together very, very last minute, but the reaction that we got from it was so huge that we actually could have thought, actually, this could be a thing. This needs to be something. Um, and then we wanted to do something to celebrate International Women's Day in on the 8th of March, 2020. And that actually really was the last big sort of industry event in London. And we partnered up with uh, Veronica, who was uh, formerly at Lioness Bar. So it was a, an event spread over two venues, um, sort of afternoon and evening. Um, and it was just really, really amazing to see that sort of sense of community and really just sort of raise awareness and get some sort of traction. And Obviously, over the pandemic, you know, we had a lot of time to think, actually, what can we do with this that's slightly more meaningful than just having a great party, which obviously is fantastic. But I think it needed a little bit more gravitas. Um, so sat down with quite a lot of people and wanted to come up with a little bit of, um, I don't want to use the word mentorship program, because I think the word gets overused a little bit without much, without a lot of things happening, um, but wanted to use, be able to develop people and actually give them something to like, change their careers. So the plan is um, to provide financial support for up to 20 women within the industry um, to put uh, use that money, use that grant to put towards whether it's a course, whether it's, you know, something that is going to benefit their career. You know, we we get taught so many times how to make a martini, but nobody teaches us really you know, how to run payroll or how to keep your, you know, bev cost out or staffing costs and so on and so forth. And so there's a huge gap in the market for something actually, you know, that they could get a qualification for if they want. So we are in the process of fundraising. Um, we did sort of launch it international. We sort of relaunched the International Women's Day and we sent out, we worked with um, Glenn Fiddick to send out an amazing cocktail just to gift to, I think about 200 women within the industry and um, just to raise a little bit of awareness. And it came obviously at quite a sort of poignant time, um, you know, in, in the world. And it was, um, 
you know, it's, there was so much, I guess, interest in it. And I think there's a huge need for, for that and not just for, you know, education, but also for you know, creating like a better workplace for people and a safer workplace for people. Um, everything from how people get home at night. I think, you know, you underestimate the facts, you know, that it can be, you know, when you're young and you may not be living in the nicest area, but I mean, even in the nicest areas, things happen. It's, you know, having that worry and that anxiety of getting home safely is huge and it can really impact your work. So there's loads of stuff. I kind of thought, I think, you know, in my head, I thought things would happen much sort of quicker with fundraising and obviously not having a huge amount of experience with that. You realize it actually does take much longer. So it is still in the process. Um, and we're just waiting for it to finalize things where we can start actually opening up the applications for, for the grants. Anna, you mentioned something, uh, the word safety, and I do want to ask a question about that because I think the hashtag get home safe hospital, uh, that you also have on the, on up on the website, uh, yeah. those results were incredibly staggering. Yeah. Uh, can you, can you tell me a bit more about that? Because I, I found that, uh, that just was, was, was beyond what I was expecting. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll have to remind myself exactly what the results are. It's like my brain is a little bit <laughs> overloaded at the moment, but I think the most, the most sort of poignant thing, and you know, sadly for me, it wasn't a surprise, but you know, 96, 97% of women like felt unsafe sort of going home after work. And then we sort of delved a little bit deeper and it was like, well, has your workplace put anything, you know, do they have any protocols? Do they have any this, you know, how do you get home at night? And we were sort of really breaking it down on, you know, people were spending so much money on getting home in taxis and Ubers because they they were, you know, they were afraid of walking walking home or getting public transport. And the amount of people that had been harassed on the way home was huge. And it wasn't the majority of people that took that survey were female, but there were some males in there that had decided to answer that and say that they too had been harassed or been had issues sort of going home. And it's it was just so huge. And I think what I found and you know, I put some, I put the results on LinkedIn actually. And I normally, I get a fair bit of traction, but I put up articles about, you know, quite sort of fluffy things and the lack of interaction with that post really, really sort of shocked me. And I said, you know, well, what are, I'd be interested to see what hotels are, what hotels are doing or what restaurants are doing, what organizations are doing for their staff. And very few people got back to me. And it just really, really made me think that either people are afraid to ask what can be done, or they don't know how to formulate it so people don't get upset, or whatever it was. And it's, um, it was very, I, the, I think the reaction was more surprising for me than the actual results. And I think so often people are afraid to stand up and have an opinion that maybe differs from, you know, a neutral gear, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, the we have to keep having these conversations and I think we have to keep sort of pushing for a better, you know, work-life balance, you know, better, better, you know, safety, not necessarily at work, but coming home from work. Um, because this is actually what's important for people. You know, a lot of organizations say, oh, you know, you can, uh, I'll give you a voucher. We'll have like a, a theme day at work or we'll, we'll, there's free yoga. And it's just, like, I actually don't want free yoga if I feel anxious getting home at night, you know. Find, and it's really important, you know, organizations miss the point so often about finding out what is important for their staff. Because when you find out what's important for somebody, that way you can actually have a real impact on people, you know. Yoga's great, but I, I'd rather have something actually that really made a difference to my life um, 
and my sort of like mental well-being than another yoga class. No, I, I, I agree. And I think we're thankfully having more conversations about it just as we're having right now. And I think yeah. that's the, that's the one thing uh, we, we have to continue doing so that there's enough pressure uh, on, on the topic. So there's actually real change that, that comes from that. And I'm, I'm really glad that, that uh, this is also part of the mission for Celebrate Her. And yeah. on that note, Anna, how can people, uh, how can women in hospitality, especially find out more about Celebrate Her and, and, and uh, be involved in, in, in the initiative, uh, maybe support or, 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 or apply to one of the grants? Yeah, of course. So we will be opening up the grant application as soon as we can. Um, initially, it was, we were thinking sort of June, but as I said, things have taken a little bit longer than I anticipated. So we will be sending out information through that. I mean, I think with anybody wanting to get involved and support, they just obviously reach out to me directly, obviously through social media or, you know, um, just send a message, I guess, via, via this. And obviously would love to have sort of, have a chat about it, you know, whilst it's, you know, we would really welcome any sort of you know, advice, any sort of support, because it is, you know, it is set up as a non-profit. So this isn't something that, you know, I'm doing for any sort of financial gain and I would never want to do it, do it for that reason. But, you know, for me having, you know, for me personally, I would love to be, have some mentorship from somebody that has set up, you know, non-profits before, has done fundraising, um, because, you know, I would love to say that I know everything, but I really, I really don't. And, you know, for me, it's about making the industry better, not just about doing something for myself or for my own sort of personal gain. Well, thank you, Anna. So I'm, I'm hoping this message goes out to, to people who can, who can offer the support, especially, uh, on the, on the sort of fundraising and mentorship, uh, part to, uh, to be, be part of the, um, initiative. And, and as we're sort of coming to the, um, end of our, our chat here today, Anna, um, a question back to the artesian. So, uh, May 17, everyone in the industry is waiting for this date to drop. So yeah. finally we can go from outdoors to indoors. <laughs> uh, what, what do you have planned with the artesian, uh, what can we look forward to? So it is a really exciting time. I think everybody is just desperate to have a drink and not be absolutely freezing outside. Um, so we're actually going to be opening on the 20th of May. Um, we're going to be open Thursday through to Sunday um, from 4pm until midnight. So slightly different hours. Um, we've got, as always, a fantastic team. Um, they've worked really hard to put together an amazing new cocktail menu. Um, which you can come and find out is called Connections. So that might give a little, a little bit away. Um, but the drinks are fantastic. And, um, the other really exciting piece of news is that we will be appointing a new head bartender as well. So that's going to be announced at the end of, um, well, just before opening actually. So it's, it's, it's really exciting and incredibly proud of the way that they've kind of gone through the last year. And it's, um, it's just really nice to be back with them and, you know, see how much they've developed and grown and, you know, be part run, be part of running service again with them. Well, wonderful, Anna. I wish you the, the best of luck with the, hopefully the final reopening uh, of, of, of our, of our great bars and restaurants. Uh, yeah. That is, that is our, uh, our wish, I think, uh, uh, for, for everyone. So thank you so much for your time today, Anna. It's been lovely having you on the Supper Podcast and uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can share a drink very soon. Oh, I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, really hope to see you soon as well. Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B.